You know, history is kind of an interesting thing. You know, you say, well, Joel, surely you know the history of your wife, for example. And uh, I mean, I do, kind of, you know, I do, sort of. At some point after we got married, I finally had to say, okay, Bethany, I just need you to start from like the beginning. Okay, well, maybe not the beginning, but like at least from high school. Okay, so what was it that you did right after high school exactly? I think she went to Mexico for a few years, or maybe she started working, can't remember. And then after that, I think she uh, went to work for Demi and Dave after that. Anyway, she laid it all out in order. I clearly remembered all of it super well. So history is an interesting thing. You know, you got to, you know, do I know her history? I don't know, kind of. And you could say, would you like to know my history? And I could give you my history in five minutes. Or, you know, it took me 30-some years to get here. Maybe I should just take all 30-some years to explain to you how I got here, right? You know, history. How much history would you like to know? You know, I've recently been listening to a book called uh, uh, How to Hide an Empire. And all it is, it's part of American history of... uh, properties that have America's owned or controlled that are, you know, kind of outside the normal 50 states of America. So, you know, which part of U.S. history do you want to know? You know, there's lots of different parts. You want to know the history of Kansas? You want to know the history of the beginning of writing the Constitution? Or do you want to know the history of the property that we've owned or controlled outside the United States? History is sort of a very big subject, and you're always going to choose a little sliver of it for the needs that you have. And what I'd like to emphasize is, not only is this not necessarily bad, it's absolutely necessary. So if I wanted to say, well, we should teach high schoolers in the United States American history and to pretend we're going to teach them every piece of American history is ridiculous. It'd be the only class that they had and they would never, ever do anything else. And they would never even finish it, frankly. And so we have to choose what kind of what history we're going to teach. And then, of course, that's the great debate. Which part of history are you going to teach? Which parts are you going to leave out? You know, I mean, I, I don't really have all the answers to those questions. That's just sort of the nature of history. You're never going to tell every piece of the story. And so today, the reason I bring this up is because we're going to look at a passage in which Stephen gives the history of Israel, and it is in Acts chapter 7. In Acts chapter 7, we have Stephen's speech, which is like the longest speech in the New Testament. It is, we're going to be out 53 verses or so, and he gives this particular speech, and I thought about how I'm going to present this speech today. I feel like I had a couple different options. One was probably the most obvious option that one would normally do, and that is we're just going to break the speech up into many different sermons. Like, I'm not possibly going to read all 50, you know, three verses and give lots of comments on them. So, you know, we'll break it up and sort of, sort of get into a manageable area. Another option would be just to have a really, really long sermon, you know, so we're just going to have 53 verses, you know. We're just going to go ahead and do it. Or I took option number three, which might take what was going to be one of the longer sermons I probably had to preach and maybe is going to turn it into one of the shorter ones. And so what I'm going to do is when I looked at Stephen's speech, and ironically enough, when I was in college, I was in a play, and I had to memorize Stephen's speech, the whole thing, and give it in front of everyone. And so what I found after I gave that, and I talked to different people, I remember Josh Daggett one time told me, he said, you know, that's almost how Sherman's should be. And so today what I'm going to do for you is rather than make a comment on every single verse or whatever, I am just going to present 
Stephen's speech to you today. But before I start presenting Stephen's speech for you today, I'd like you to think about this. You know, Stephen had to pick which parts of Israel's history he was going to choose. He couldn't give all of history, Israel's history, in this particular situation in which he's in front of the leaders of Israel. He had to choose. And he picked certain parts. You know, I don't think it's just that he picked certain parts for the Israel. I think that God chose to have this be in the Bible because there may be something in this particular part that affects us today. So as I read, as I present Stephen's speech to you, I'm not going to have it on the board. I'd like you to just listen to what I have to say as I read Stephen's words to you and say, what might God have had for me in Stephen's speech as we go through the history of Israel? I'll, of course, have some comments at the end. I'll have some applications, some thoughts that we want to think about. What I really want to do this morning is I just want to present Stephen's speech to you and see how it might affect you. So, Acts chapter 7, starting in verse 1. And the high priest said, Are these things so? And Stephen said, Brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran, and said to him, Go, out from your land and from your kindred and go into the land I will show you. Then he went out from the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran. And after his father died, God moved, removed from him there in this land in which you are now living. Yet he gave him no inheritance in it, not even a foot's length, but promised to give it to him as a possession and to his offspring after him, though he had no child. And God spoke to this effect, that his offspring would be sojourners in a land belonging to others, who would enslave them and afflict them four hundred years. But I will judge the nation that they serve, said God, and after that they shall come out and worship me in this place, and he gave him the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac became the father of Jacob and Jacob of the twelve patriarchs. And the patriarchs, jealous of Joseph, sold him into Egypt but God was with him and rescued him out of all his afflictions and gave him favor and wisdom before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who made him ruler over Egypt and over all his household. Now there came a famine throughout all Egypt and Canaan and great affliction, and our fathers could find no food. But when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent out our fathers on their first visit. And on the second visit, Joseph made himself known to his brothers, and Joseph's family became known to Pharaoh. And Joseph sent and summoned Jacob, his father, and all his kindred, 75 persons in all. And Jacob went down into Egypt, and he died. 
he and our fathers. And they were carried back to Shechem and laid in the tomb that Abraham had brought for the sum of silver from the sons of Hamor in Shechem. But as the time of the promise drew near, which God had granted to Abraham, the people increased and multiplied in Egypt until there arose over Egypt another king who did not know Joseph. He dealt shrewdly with our race and forced our fathers to expose their infants so that they would not be kept alive. At this time, Moses was born and he was beautiful in God's sight. And he was brought up for three months in his father's house. And when he was exposed, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was instructed in all wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in his words and in his deeds. When he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them being wrong, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand. But they did not understand. And on the following day, he peered to them as they were quarreling and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, your brothers, why are you doing this wrong to each other? But the men who were doing was, do, was wrongdoing his brother thrust him aside, saying, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Do you want to kill me? like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? At this retort, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. Now when 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in a flame of fire in a bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. And as he drew near to look, there came the voice of the Lord. I am the Lord. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses trembled and did not dare look. Then the Lord said to him, Take off the sandals from your feet, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their groaning, and I have come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send you to Egypt. This Moses, whom they rejected, saying, Who made you ruler and judge? This man God sent as both ruler and redeemer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. This man led out performing wonders and signs in Egypt at the Red Sea and the wilderness for 40 years. This is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. This is the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him at Mount Sinai and with our fathers. He received living oracles to give to us. Our fathers refused to obey him. 
but thrust him aside. In their hearts they turned to Egypt, saying to Aaron, Make for us gods who will go before us. As for this Moses who led us out from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And they made a calf in those days and offered a sacrifice to the idol and were rejoicing in the works of their hands. But God turned away and gave them over to worship the host of heaven as written in the book of the prophets. Did you bring to me slain beasts and sacrifices during the 40 years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? You took of the tent of Moloch and the star of your god Rephan, the images that you made to worship, and I will send you into exile beyond Babylon. Our fathers had the tent of witness in the wilderness, just as he spoke to Moses, directed him to make it according to the pattern that had been seen. Our fathers in turn brought it in with Joshua when they dispossessed the nations that God drove out before our fathers. So it was until the days of David who found favor in the sight of God and asked to find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. Yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands, as the prophet says, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hand make all these things? You stiff-necked, people uncircumcised in your hearts and ears you always resist the holy spirit as your fathers did so do you which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute and they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one whom you have now betrayed and murdered you who have received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it After the leaders heard this speech, the response might be somewhat expected. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged. And they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witness laid down their garments, the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. Stephen decided to tell the history of Israel 
And then what did he add to the end? That Jesus Christ was the answer to the story of the ancient Israelites. All the stories of slavery and exiting Egypt and burning bushes, they all led up to Christ. And it cost Stephen his life. His choice to believe in Jesus Christ as the true Messiah was his end. Well, I hope each of you may have gotten something different from Stephen's speech. I, I do want to make this plea this morning. Each of us in our lives have to make a choice on what to do with Jesus Christ. We can look at history, look at the history of Israel, but at some point, when you consider Christianity, the thing that each one of us must come to grip with is what do we do with Jesus Christ? And we each need to make the choice Put our faith and trust in Him. All the stories of Egypt, all the stories of Israel, all the cool miracles we teach in VBS, they all mean nothing. It doesn't lead to Jesus Christ. And not only do you need to choose to put our faith and trust in Him, but each day as believers, when we make up, wake up and decide how to live our day, and we decide what decisions to make, every day we have to say, what does this relationship I have with Jesus do to me? You know, I'm, I'm a lot different guy probably now when I got married. I, I remember to do things I used to not remember to do. I Try to be a little bit cleaner than I used to be. Hopefully some other things that maybe matter a little bit more than those. You know, when you have a relationship with someone, it changes you. Some of you have married so long, maybe you've forgotten what it was like to, to, to not have been changed by that person. But it changes you. You know, our relationship with Jesus Christ, when we have chosen to have that relationship, it should change us. It changes. In the same way, that walk, if you had the opportunity to walk with a spouse, you kind of grow together and, you know, the jokes that people that get married start looking like each other, right? You know, so daily, when we walk with Jesus Christ, hopefully we start looking like each other. Hopefully we start acting like each other. And we've got a choice in that relationship each and every day. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I just thank you for this speech, this, this full speech we got of Stephen that we could hear. And Lord, I just pray that in the same way he led the great story, the, the great history of Israel up peaking at Jesus Christ, I just pray we would see the peak of our lives serving Jesus Christ. The greatest thing that we can do, the greatest decisions we can make, all point back to Him. 
Lord, we love you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name.